Hello and welcome to the Ballot Box global election coverage from a team of political scientists. I'm Jonathan Parker in London. I'm Chris Terry in Manchester. I'm Andres Besser in New York City. Welcome to a new episode of the Ballot Box. So just the just the two of us this week, I'm afraid Andres is um, is too busy to join. Um, we'll yes. be back pretty soon for a discussion about um, the Argentine legislative elections, which, um, as you will expect, he will be taking the lead on discussing. So um, all look mm. forward to that coming on uh, coming in a, in a few days. But for now, we're just we're returning once again. To Bulgaria, the uh, petrol favorite of this podcast. That we've so this is our the yeah. the, thir- the third in our series of um Bulgaria watching. Do you want to uh, just give us a quick previously on Chris before we get into this? Uh, yeah, so um, for long time listeners will know that um, <clears throat> Bulgaria has had three parliamentary elections this year, um, because we've done two previous episodes because of that. Um, because the country is in something of a state of political crisis. So, because those two episodes exist, if you want a deeper dive into the background, obviously go back and listen to those because that will help our stats. Um, um, but the Cliff Notes version is that Bulgaria is a country that has had a long series of problems with corruption, state capture, it's often considered to be the most corrupt country in the EU, it's also the poorest country in the EU, it's also currently the country in the EU with um, the highest coronavirus rates, it's it's a very troubled country, albeit it's obviously come a long way since um, the institution of democracy um, in the 1990s. These problems with state capture essentially bubbled up to a kind of series of protests um, in 2019-2020, to some extent aimed at the Prime Minister, um, long-running Prime Minister of Bulgaria, Boyko Borisov, who has has essentially been the dominant figure in Bulgarian politics since um, 2009, when he first became Prime Minister. Um, He'd governed with only very small, short stretches um, um, in opposition um, since that period. Um, But to some extent also against kind of wider state capture in Bulgaria, um, particularly aimed at, for example, the chief prosecutor, which is a civil service position, but an incredibly powerful one, and one that is... Um, where, whose current incumbent Ivan Gestev is widely considered to um, be a figurehead for state for state capture. Um, other figures, um, also, for example, in the Movement of Rights and Freedom Party, which is a um, party associated with the Turkish minority, but which has a notorious reputation for corruption. Um, and some of which is certainly Credible, um, it's fair to say. Um, obviously, to some extent as well, I, I, this stuff is um, pumped up because of um, xenophobia. But there's, there's certainly, certainly, 
the party is associated with, for example, um, a, a a fairly notorious um, oligarch by the name of Delian Pivsky, who um, who is actually currently under sanctions by the U.S. government. Um, and then we should also briefly mention the third play, the third main traditional party of the Bulgarian um, political system, the Socialist Party. Um, which has been in opposition for a long period of time now, but who have a legacy. It's the successor of the former Communist Party that is deeply controversial. Um, so what we saw um, across the across the early part of this year was the arrival of three new anti-corruption parties, um, the largest of which... Um, it's a party called There is Such a Nation or There is Such a People, um, which um, is led by and the creature of um, Slavi Trifonov, who is a former folk singer turned TV presenter, um, which has a kind of extremely strongly populist, uh, um, some might even say demagogic style um which whose the solution to corruption in their eyes was chiefly a series of kind of direct democracy reforms, mm-hmm. introducing majoritarian voting, directly electing the chief prosecutor, which telling um, other, other such things. Um, but and then two parties, Democratic Bulgaria and um, mm-hmm. Stand Up um, Bulgaria which occupied a space which was more liberal, pro-European, greenish, technocratic, um, in line with some other kind of anti-corruption parties, which are now coming up in Eastern Europe, but which is uh, limited by essentially by the fact that um, their electoral base is principally urban grads, uh, urban graduates. Um, so... Um, the first election saw um, Trifonov's party come second, um, but no government was able to form. There was a kind of quite clear loggerhead in the legislature where um, no clear coalition could be formed. The second election saw Trifonov's party, um, which happened in July, saw Trifonov's party um, win the largest number of um, the largest number of seats, barely by the skin of its teeth, um, beating um, Gerb into second for the first time in, in existence. Um, but in uh, but um, then followed a series of coalition negotiations, which were um, not well received. So Trifonov's response to so although they'd come first, there wasn't a majority for the anti-corruption parties. Um, and Trifonov responded to coming first by proposing a technocratic government on Facebook um, with some controversial figures in it. Um, this was seen as by other parties as not really negotiating so much as kind of making a series of, of demands which didn't really offer them anything. Um, and when we left off our last episode, um, I think it's fair to say I probably sounded a little exasperated 
<laughs> um, <laughs> because um, it, it was it was very, it, it has never quite been clear what Trifonov's end game has been in terms of government formation and um, whether he wanted to become prime minister or you know whether he only wanted to become prime minister under very specific circumstances or whether you know whether he wanted to form a partisan government and and that kind of came out in the big negotiations in a way that was fairly frustrating <laughs> um <laughs> including to bulgarian voters and um other political actors who largely reacted negatively to trifonov's behavior and the behavior of there is such a nation um and which of course eventually caused things to move to a situation where a third general election was where a third parliamentary election was necessary um which is this one which is also being held alongside the presidential election um the just to um update people on remind people of the of the constitutional structure of bulgaria very briefly um bulgaria is a country with a an elected president who has some significant powers but who is broadly weaker than the prime minister it's a country that is kind of on that line that a lot of countries in cer where you can kind of debate whether it's a semi-presidential mm -hmm. system or a parliamentary system um and then parliament is composed of 240 seats which um are elected by pr um in multi-member constituencies that um broadly open the system um mm -hmm. with a four percent threshold fairly so it, for which for ce is basically almost like the standard prototype of a, a constitution um so yeah it's um yeah yeah so anyway okay. that's that's where we left off essentially mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yes yeah, so obviously we've we've now got the results of these these two elections held simultaneously um, mm. And I, I do want to ask briefly in, in a minute about um, maybe, maybe before we finish about the kind of uh, what do you think the effects of having both those together have been? Yes. Um, but I think maybe we should turn to the um, the new entrant to this election, which has also received the most votes and seats in this election in the parliamentary seats. Um, yes. Which was this um, this new party? We continue the change, um, mm. continuing the. Um, the dubious naming conventions of Bulgarian anti-corruption parties, yeah, um, by by led by well the prime minister or candidate of was um, Kirill Petkov, um, although co-led co by someone else as well. Yes, Asen and Vasilev. Um, so, so these two guys are. Um, so it, it, the name actually kind of relates to who they who they are essentially. So Bulgaria has a. Um, I'm not sure of the exact nature of this rule. Um, I think it's a constitutional one, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not exactly 100% clear. But, but there is a rule that essentially states that if you have an election and the election is inconclusive, then the um, incumbent government has to resign um, and a caretaker government is installed by the president. Um, 
uh, to uh, uh, to act as a caretaker in, in, until such a, such a period that um, an election can deliver a a, a government approved of by parliament. I imagine that that is probably a rule put into place to kind of disincentivize um, incumbent governments kind of trying to disrupt coalition negotiations. Um, but that's just a guess, basically. Um, but that rule is, is, is there. Um, so after the election, in the first election in April, um, Borisov, the Prime Minister and leader of, of GERB, um, resigned, um, as he was constitutionally required to, and the President um, appointed a technocratic government. Now, the President is a um, long-time opponent of Borisov, a man called Ruman Radov, um, who um, has had, who has been a lightning rod for kind of discontent with him. Um, he was in conflict with him before COVID. Um, then briefly, when COVID broke out, there was a kind of um, entente, um, detente between the two of them. And then um, as the anti-corruption protests ramped up, he moved against Borisov again and became very outspoken against him. So this government that was appointed by him although it's not a partisan one, has had a kind of clear anti-GERB, anti-Borisov slant, I think it's fair to say. Um, um, and, the, and after the second election, two of the ministers in it resigned, which is Petkov and um, Vasilev, the two guys who are now leading We Continue to Change, um, to form this new party. So We Continue to Change is essentially a name which is getting at what they want to do is continue the process that the non-partisan government has started, um, which has been a series of, um, of anti-corruption measures of, of a sort. It's been a broadly fairly popular government, um, and Petkov and Vasilev were two of the most popular ministers in, in it, in its um, initial phase. Um, the, um, they're both actually from pretty similar backgrounds. Um, they are both Harvard-educated economists. So they're people who have, um, and who, who've, um, from what I understand, I think both of them have at points worked outside of the country and then come back to Bulgaria um to um to operate in its field um, Pecto, um so they're well credentialed they speak um good english they um they um you know they're they're people who and they're, they're actually relatively young both of them um i think pektikov is only 41 um, so for Bulgarian politics, they have a kind of clearly different vibe. We continue to change as well, kind of, there's an immediate question when we, we continue to change popped up, which was, does Bulgaria need another anti-corruption party? 
um, and I think the answer kind of oddly was yes, because after the second election, um, there is such nation um, kind of was was clearly going into a, a kind of a kind of collapse. Um, to some extent, democratic Bulgaria was p- picking up on some of that support, and some of the um, polls briefly after that election even had democratic Bulgaria in second. Um, but democratic Bulgaria is a party that has something of a ceiling on it because it's so so kind of socially liberal. Um, we continue to change is also a socially liberal party, broadly speaking, um, but it's that's not its primary. You know, uh, after the anti-corruption, you know, democratic Bulgaria is kind of more of a social liberal party than anything else. But we continue to change. Um, our social liberalism is certainly on the list, but further down. So the first things it's first things it's basically which it accentuated was the idea that we are a party who will work with pretty much anyone to get our goals. Um, not quite anyone. So um, they did say that they would work with GERB and the Movement of Rights and Freedoms, these two parties which are considered to be um, incredibly corrupt and you know involved in state capture. But they put um, conditions on that participation, which are basically impossible for either of those two parties to ever actually do. Um, but with the other anti-corruption parties, they were, were very clearly happy to um, work with them and and had actually had a very strong kind of discourse of cooperation. Um, and they very clearly left the door open to cooperation with the socialists. They didn't kind of perhaps talk that up so much, but it was clear that that was what they were that 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 that, that was something that they were open to, and that had been a problem in previous government formations was that the um, anti-corruption parties had had a kind of difficult um, relationship with the socialists who they really needed to, to form the government. Um, the other thing that they went for was they. Um, they kind of had a kind of reformist um, set of policies that were that positioned them broadly in the political center. Some people have described their some Bulgarian analysts have described them as having kind of center right positions on, for example, the economy, um, but kind of center left positions on things like social policy and health and education. Um, so um, it's kind of and and putting forward kind of policies that it, it, I mean, in their own words, are kind of trying to achieve left wing ends by right wing um, instruments. Um, so um, putting forwards kind of, but doing that with in a way that kind of only really a Harvard educated economists can, um, you know, a kind of clear kind of weight of credibility. Um, and, and doing things like, for example, talking about raising pensions, which is not something that the anti-corruption parties, to some extent, there, there is such a nation, a little bit, but have been highlighting 
um, but which kind of gives them a road into, for example, um, socialist party um, voters who are typically very poor, but also very elderly. Um, so that so that combination gave them a kind of actually a sense of difference. Um, they were also kind of clearly quite close to the president, Radef, who is very popular. Um, the most, generally speaking, the most popular politician in Bulgaria right now. Um, albeit that's not saying much. Um, but um, so that together, I think, gave them a kind of clear sense of purpose. Yeah, the impression that I always I got from my kind of brief looking at this election was that they, they maybe had taken a bit more of a, a slightly left leaning tack than um, the previous anti-corruption parties. And yeah, they probably would. Yeah. Would that combined with their kind of willingness to work with the socialists was probably um, what kind of mm. marked them out as, as a bit different. Um, yeah, uh, maybe we should um, talk about Radev a little bit now um, because of yes. his his election was up as well, the presidential election, which is was a, is yeah. a standard kind of two-round ballot in which the need to get over 50% of the vote to win. He got 49.45% yeah. of the vote. Um, so while he is in obviously in a very good position, that has got to be slightly annoying <laughs> to have us yeah. 0.5% away from, um, from mm. winning outright. But yeah, he's clearly mm. is, is massively popular. And also, although he's formally independent, he's been backed by quite a lot of the, the parties obviously last time he was backed by the socialists but now he has quite a range yes. of parties that have, have decided to back his, his election. yes so he was he was also backed by and and it, yeah he's all he's had a kind of long time relationship with the socialists the socialists are the party that backed him in 2016 even though he's technically a political independent his vice president um bulgaria interestingly is the only country in um, Europe that has a vice president role um, mm. it, um, it is a former socialist party MEP mm-hmm. um, so um, so you know there's a kind of clear um, relationship with the party and 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 the socialists Radef has almost been the best thing that the socialists have had going for them um, over um, the previous over his time in office and and the party, even though he's not technically a a socialist, um, the party has clearly, to some extent, taken cues from him um, uh, because of this relationship. We continue to change, also have a kind of very clear um, relationship with him being formed by two ministers that he ultimately appointed. Um, and, and, And essentially advocating this position of being the he- the heirs of the kind of popular parts of that government um, that he put into place. Um, and then he was also backed by Stand Up Bulgaria, which um, also makes sense because Stand Up Bulgaria actually takes his name from one of his speeches. Um, and... Um, yeah, and the, also there is such a nation which is a slightly odder um, combination because that Radef and there is such a nation don't necessarily have 
like the most the most compatible positions. But um, ultimately, uh, ultimately, he's a very clearly popular anti-corruption figure, and 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 they're not going to. Uh, and the party um, probably didn't really have didn't really want to run against it. Um, so yeah, in those terms. Uh, um, and I actually en ended up adding it up that um, he actually won more votes than all those parties put together. <laughs> um, so um, albeit only by a couple of percentage points, but um, that kind of hints at kind of how popular and 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 successful he was, um, and that clearly hitching yourself to him was considered to be a good move for those parties. Yeah, it makes mm. me wonder why he's not decided to found his own party and make a make a kind mm. of uh, a pitch to be the prime minister. Well, 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 I mean, part part and parcel of it is certainly that um, Bulgarian presidents in common with a, a lot of um, a lot of Eastern European presidents are technically banned from being party members. Now, obviously, they often have kind of clear partisan associations um and i i think radov is a kind of interesting example because I, I think you could probably say that in this election he has a couple of partisan associations um but he um but that that kind of makes it difficult for him to form like a kind of personalist beast at least while he's president also obviously the presidency has its own kind of power and prestige even if it's not kind of on the same level as the prime ministership um who knows what he might do assuming he's elected at this point uh, um you know after his after his term ends his next term ends and he's terminated um some might even say that we continue to change as a kind of Radef party to some extent, but um, yeah, that's you know, but both, but that's a kind of. I, I think that's probably not quite right, but it, it certainly, certainly during the election campaign, he had a very clear, implicit leaning towards that party um, in terms of. Uh, you know, for example, in the aftermath of this election when they won, he said he celebrated by saying that Bulgaria was going to have a reformist government, um, which, yeah, I think hints that that's where his sympathies most lie. So Radev has obviously got quite a lead over the other parts of the other candidates running for president. Um, he's got almost 50 percent. The next um, largest, the next biggest candidate only got, uh, which was the the. The, uh, the GERB candidate um, got around 23% of the vote, so quite a long way behind. Um, mm. So, yeah, who were, who were the other the others, the candidates running for president? Yeah. So, um, so GERB took a kind of interesting strategy this election. Um, so, obviously, they needed to run someone um, and needed to do it very clearly. Because the um, for for, for um, because the, they're very much opposed to Radev personally, and they um, and they they needed someone to act as a kind of pole to pull around um, for for that side of the ballot. Um, now in 
in the past, Borisov has hinted that at some point he might try and run for president. Um, and given that in the in this election and the previous one, um, he was no longer officially Gerb's prime ministerial candidate, um, perhaps you might think that he might um, try and put himself forward for this one. Um, obviously, he did not. He uh, and but he did not do that, and I suspect that is because he is now so unpopular um, that that might actually hurt Gerb. Um, so the party instead ran um, Anasas um, Good um, Zukov. Um, I apologise that I probably mangled that pronunciation a little bit. Um, and who he is is he's he's um, had some government fu functions in the past. I think he was at one point a kind of deputy minister of education. Um, but he is, generally speaking, a kind of non-partisan academic. He's currently um, rector of the University of Sofia. Um, is his most kind of significant role. He's someone who, um, you know, as people would probably typically prefer in a kind of slightly ceremonial presidential position, someone who um, broadcasts a sense of kind of being a quite serious, um, mature person, kind of slightly above the fray of politics. And I think to some extent, Gerb were hoping that by running him, he would kind of reflect well on the party. And, and I think actually, broadly speaking, he's been seen as having run a decent campaign. Um, he actually um, outperformed Gerb on the um, presidential ballot slightly, um, albeit um, he, um, he's had a, albeit, you know, there are fewer candidates running. Um, so, um, it, it, so that doesn't quite sum up perfectly. Um, then also kind of worth noting was that the Movement for Rights and Freedoms ran a presidential candidate for the first time in its existence. Um, it has occasionally backed independent candidates before as a sole party, but it's never actually ran um, a, a partisan candidate before. Um, so it ran its chairman, um, Mustafa um, um, Karadaya. Uh, I'm sorry, I probably mangled that too. Um, but he um, that was seen as an interesting decision on their part. I think I, I think that probably comes down to a couple of things. So first of all, first of all, the party is now so deeply controversial within Bulgaria um, that it can't do its previous. Uh, that I suspect it can't really do its previous strategy anymore. Its previous strategy in presidential elections was essentially to try and act as a bit of a kingmaker. So it would um, try and provide backing to other parties' candidates to essentially um, to, uh, to kind of make it, make it clear that it was an important party that needed to be listened to, and um, so that it could do, and also so that it could do deals, um, because movements for rights and freedoms is a very, it's a party that 
has essentially had a reputation as being able to work with, being willing to work with anyone, albeit possibly in exchange for corruption. Um, we should also um, briefly mention um, Lausanne Panoff, who was backed by Democratic Bulgaria. So Democratic Bulgaria was really the only one of the anti-corruption parties not to back Radev. Um, he is the chairman of the Supreme Court. Um, to some extent, I believe that they were running him on the basis that they, on a similar basis to Gerb's candidate, that they thought that that would um, kind of produce a kind of reflected, um, kind of reflected kind of sense of kind of seriousness. He actually ran quite a poor campaign and um, that decision has especially been criticised in, in the aftermath of the result where he only won he won less than 4% of the vote. Um, uh, we should also briefly mention that uh, a far-right candidate got a little bit more than him, um, Kostadin, um, Kostadinov, who, who's the leader of Revival, which is a party which um, uh, um, unfortunately managed to gain entry into the Bulgarian National Assembly of this election. We'll talk a little bit more about them when we get to the results. So. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we should turn to the um, turn to the results now um, mm. of the of the parliamentary contest. So, see, we continue the change has in its first ever electoral contest um, come out on top with around a quarter of the vote and sixty-seven mm. seats. Um, so, but it's obviously a very it, well. I mean, uh, yes. We're talking about yeah. Bulgaria, a country which has experienced similar things in the first, it's in the past in more spectacular fashion as well, um, mm. of new parties coming first. But this is still impressive. Um, so what's, what's yeah. gone on here? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 is a, it is a very similar outcome to the election in July, where mm. actually there is such a nation got 66 seats. So there's, there's a kind of interesting mirror there. In terms of um, in terms of parliamentary position, um, but um, and and it's also it's also a surprise because the polling all, all suggested that we continue to change was kind of battling for second place. Um, you had pollsters, you know, but polling mostly showed it on about fifteen percent of the vote in a battle with the Socialist Party for, for a second. Um, so the fact that when the exit polls came out, it was a bit of a shock um, to see it battling for first and then to see it eventually come first in results. Um, so what I think has happened um, has, is essentially that there have been a lot of kind of Floating anti-GERB voters um, around, and I suspect what has happened is that they have essentially broken for we continue to change at the ballot box. Um, voters are very clearly annoyed in Bulgaria. We can tell that, for example, by the fact that this has actually been the Bulgarian, both the Bulgarian parliamentary and presidential election with the lowest turnout in Bulgarian history, um, about 40%. 
which is understandable given that voters have been driven to the polls three times in a single year um, because of the party's unwillingness to form government. Um, so I think in large part, the fact that we continue to change as a party that is very clearly putting forward a position of we are going to try and form a government with um, whoever we can, you know, well, no matter what, you know, th this is a party that has really gone out of its way to talk to accentuate the idea of being constructive, of be of wanting to form a government, of wanting to work with others, um, and so what you can see is that. While, for example, GERB has dropped by a little bit again, um, we continue change seems to have taken a, a chunk out of all the other all the other anti-corruption parties and also out of the Socialist Party. So the Socialist Party has gone from 15% to 10%. Um, the, um, there is such a people who have gone from having a quarter of the vote to having 9% of the vote. Democratic Bulgaria has halved to, um, halved its vote in over the course of an election, um, going from twelve percent to six percent, and um, Stand Up Bulgaria has been booted out of Parliament altogether, going from from almost five to two percent. Um, so quite clearly, it's quite obvious that to some extent there's been a homogenization of the the anti-corruption vote around um, we continue to change. Okay, so do these do these new results um, make the prospect of coalition formation look any easier than it has the last two times? Do you think the likelihood that we'll be returning uh, to talk about Bulgaria next year, do you think this has gone down following this election? I mean, I think it's certainly lower than it was. I wouldn't um, I wouldn't completely rule out a fourth election. Um, so, um, so I, I mean, first of all, very obviously, um, the aftermath of the election has been that um, Petkov, as the prime ministerial candidate of We Continue to Change, has declared that he wants to be prime minister and has stated a willingness to talk to um, a, num a number of parties um, to try and reach that position. The difficult, there is a fundamental difficulty, however, in terms of his potential coalition partners. So the parliamentary mass remains, as it has been in the last two elections, um, pretty, um, pretty deadlocked pretty close to deadlock. So the only coalition you could really form that has a majority is we continue to change the Socialist Party. There is such a nation and democratic Bulgaria. And those three parties are all quickly in their own individual ways and difficult in their own individual ways. So the socialists, for example, are difficult because they are a party that is considered by 
anti-corruption activists as to be you know part of the establishment in some ways more of an establishment party than GERB um it's a you know although it's been in opposition for almost for for more than a decade on the most part it had a very brief government in the the mid 2000s but it's mostly been in the opposition um it's still seen as having kind of links to corruption it's current leader although she's just resigned um it has been um it has been in corruption scandals in the past um it's also a party that um it, it occupies a different position um to um there is such a people nation and democratic bulgaria both of whom um are wary of it on policy grounds as well as in institutional grounds um democratic bulgaria has only actually just dropped um its previous opposition to forming a government with the socialist party which i mean is almost on the opposite end of like every possible spectrum to it <laughs> um you know democratic bulgaria is a social liberal party um the socialists are um quite socially conservative the democratic bulgaria is a party that um um associates itself with kind of free market um ideas albeit you know moderate free market ideas the socialists are obviously um not that um and, and democratic bulgaria also has within it a because democratic bulgaria is made up essentially of a, it's a it's an electoral alliance of sorts um one of the three components of it um has a kind of genetic link to the kind of 1990s opposition to the socialists they like this kind of deep institutional kind of memory of of battling the socialists in the 90s um and then of course there is such a nation has previously shown itself to be very um annoying in terms of its uh, in terms of its behavior in coalition negotiations that said those three parties have all just had terrible electoral results um, um and voters are very clearly pissed off um part of my french but there's not really a better way to put it um <laughs> um you know turnout has gone through the floor and it's it's for example it's been very low um in traditional socialist areas that was clearly a problem for the party in the election as well as kind of defections do we continue to change um so holding another election and being seen as and particularly as we've just seen with there is such a nation being seen as responsible for drivers to another election is clearly a thing that is going to damage these parties quite severely. And I, I think we're at a point now where none of the three of them could really rule out going sub 4% threshold and being out of parliament altogether. Um, um they were seen as responsible for coalition negotiations collapsing so although these four parties are um 
are a very difficult coalition to put together in some ways, I think that that puts them that um, that kind of element will um, help drive them to, together in some way or some form. There may be kind of some weird, slight weird, weirdness, like I could find it very easy to imagine it actually ending up being a free party coalition and there is such a nation kind of supporting externally or something like that. Um, but um, I, I think that, that, that probably the, those kind of constraints will help drive uh, 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 um, as well as which um, we continue to change, have put out a number of kind of noises accentuating their kind of continued dialogue heavy approach where for example they say they said Petov said I want to be prime minister and I want Vasilev to be to be finance minister which was the position that Vasilev held in the cabinet beforehand but nothing is written in stone we're willing to listen to people to other parties candidates for any positions um yeah so like, very clearly accentuating the idea that we are with everything is on the table in these negotiations um and so i think as as um the clear leader um that uh, and within the bulgarian system being the mandate carrier that will help drive um coalition negotiations together um so yeah all that's positive I, I think in terms of like the chances of getting a government okay good well and i suppose that is um a slightly pos more positive note to leave uh bulgaria on and then the kind of more downbeat and, and hopeless ones that we've had before where yeah we kind of despaired of government formation yeah i mean mm -hmm. it is saying that um the other parties are so far made positive sounding noises as well okay. so that's that's good as well even even there is such a nation from what i can make out it's been difficult to get news on them mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay but yes yeah okay it's good okay well so the the uh we'll kind of return to this question i hinted at before before we uh wrap up which was that as you said this is the first time that we've held presidential and parliamentary elections um mm. on the same day is was there kind of any um kind of effects going on here um because of this did we did anybody notice and pick up that they were influencing each other at all these two contests yeah i mean it was actually it was controversial when it was announced that that was going to be the case radef kind of criticized it the decision um presumably because he thought it might disrupt his re-election to some extent um it, I think broadly it probably hasn't changed things a huge amount, except that it's quite easy to imagine that turnout would have been even lower um, had they not done that, because then you're driving, then you'd be driving essentially voters to significant polls four times in the year, five with a um, second round, which, yeah, we're going to get we'll get one of those. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I think broadly speaking, it probably it, it, that's probably the outcome 
but um yeah it, it's it, it, it's it, I, and I think I think for the parties it's had this kind of interesting effect of um for some parties at least like attempting to double up their campaigns and kind of the, the movement of rights and freedoms ran a pretty successful campaign this time around which was um like they they had some they had a pretty poor election in July and they've really kind of surged and they've really had a actually a pretty good result this time around um which I think is um it, it, I think to some extent the presidential election allowed them to kind of it gave them another way to kind of drive their voters out mm -hmm. along, alongside with they've been leaning more into kind of um into um into support from Pivsky, um who i mentioned earlier um they've also actually this election um suddenly turned around and become pro erdogan which is an interesting um, change of tone for them because they've previously been quite anti him. Um, but yes, that um, seems to have given them some benefits as well. Okay, so. all right. Um, well, is there anything else do you think we need to cover for Bulgaria? Um, yeah, we should um, briefly mention the new far-right party that unfortunately got into Parliament. I won't talk on them much. But they, um, it's a party called Revival. It, 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 Bulgaria is a country that has had um, far right in parliament fairly often. Um, and the parties are almost all, always of a type, which is um, they're led by a kind of significant strongman figure. Um, they um, have a history of doing deals and coalitions with Borisov, actually um that they usually um and obviously anti-turkish anti um um anti-gypsy rhetoric is obviously something that comes up um the, the, this particular one is founded by a historian who's been around the far right um for a while um and there was a kind of clear it was still a far right vote that was fairly significant in the previous ele two elections. It was just sort of very split. So it was probably only a matter of time before one of the parties got its act together um, and got in. And in this particular case as well, that has been linked to anti-COVID measures, conspiracism. Um, the um, revival is claiming is saying that it will, I mean, it's not necessarily, it's not got the numbers to be a coalition partner to anyone, but it's right now saying that um, it would only form a coalition if um, all COVID measures were removed, which is a particular dereliction of duty in terms of rhetoric in my mind, because Bulgaria currently has, um, by some measures, the highest COVID death rate in the world, <laughs> because, um, Due to um, coronavirus conspiracism, conspiracism, um, Bulgaria and Romania um, actually have had um, really poor take-ups of vaccines, despite the fact that they're incredibly available. Bulgaria only has about twenty-two percent of people um, vaccinated, despite the fact that it's a participant in the EU's program. Um, yeah, so that's unpleasant but uh, uh um worth mentioning 
Um, it's also worth briefly referencing, um, I should have mentioned that um, Petkov has been involved in controversy himself, um, albeit of a slightly ridiculous kind. Um, so Bulgarian constitution ha um, technically has a rule against um, being a minister if you um, if you have a citizenship from another country. He was a dual citizen um, with Canada um, when he was a minister. So that led to um, some constitutional court battles, uh, which eventually, <laughs> which eventually, um, it, it said that he he ruled his um, period as a minister unconstitutional. He's since, since renounced his Canadian citizenship, but. Um, it's a little, um, it, it's something I should have noted earlier. But back for Argentina soon. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see you back for, um, back for Argentina, um, sort of back to Latin America as well for that with Andres mm. returning on um, as well. Um, but yeah, from that's goodbye from us for now and hopefully goodbye to Bulgaria for a while. Um, yes. No offence to any yeah. Bulgarians listening. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, one, one positive note is that they can't dissolve the parliament until January because of um, it can't happen until the president has been inaugurated again. So at the very least, it's, uh, it's goodbye for a while. <laughs> okay all right okay um please do rate and subscribe wherever you're listening and um mm. see you next time bye, bye.